What is crack-a-lackin', Harbor Knox listeners? I am Damp Valley coming at you once more without my fantabulous co-host, Adam Frommel. Our team look-ahead train rolls on. We are on to the Brooklyn Nets. They have nothing going on at the moment. Um, Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News and co-host of Uninterrupted Certified Buckets podcast joins me to talk all things net, Nets, including the latest on Kyrie Irving. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the information is not too dated given how many twists and turns the entire issue saga, just situation has been thrown for whatever you want to call it. Be sure to follow Christian on Twitter at Chris Plash. That's at K R I S P L A S H E D does a great job covering this team and the league at large for the daily news. And like I said, he co-hosts the uninterrupted podcast certified buckets Before we get started, just a reminder to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribing and downloading every episode is most important to us, but also throw us ratings and reviews. Those really help us in the charts. Whether or not you use iTunes, we do ask that if you have access to it, head over to iTunes, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, and write a review. It helps us out a ton. I cannot stress that enough, so thank you to everyone who has done that. If this is your first time listening to Hardwood Knox because you're this big Nets fan, stumbled onto us on accident, whatever, consider throwing us that permanent subscription. You'll get all your pleasantly sub-mediocre, only half insufferable basketball takes here. We cover the league at large. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Hardwood Knox. Follow us on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Search Hardwood Knox. We will come up. Subscribe to our channel there. And we're also on Instagram at Hardwood underscore Knox. Without any further delay, though, let's get to everything Nets with the Daily Newses and Uninterrupted's Christian Winfield. Christian, thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast. We are here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, who might be the most boring, uneventful team. Yeah, in the right. NBA. They don't keep you busy at all. Not um, at all, man. Before we dive into the pure anarchy that is the Brooklyn Nets news cycle and sure. this upcoming season. I think the most important question is, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You know, I had a, a long summer, it felt like. You know, a lot of downtime. Um, and honestly, it's just been a long just period of time where there hasn't really been much basketball going on. You know, like before summer league and preseason, I was just really just like sitting on my ass, chilling. You know, I put on some pandemic pounds. So it's time <laughs> to burn those things off, man. And I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready for the season to go. And I'm ready for, for my ass to go to the gym and, and get right. I will say, as someone who considers themselves a fitness nut, um, putting on the pandemic pounds was a lot easier than working off the pandemic pounds. It's funny how oh, that yeah. works. Oh yeah, you know, I wish I wish it was the inverse. You know, I wish I wish uh, I wish it was easy to burn these things off, but uh, life is not so sweet. Uh, the Nets are baptizing you by fire, though. After your offseason, yeah. it does seem like um, I, we have to start with the. This has, I mean, it has on-court implications. We have to start with the Kyrie Irving stuff, and you actually. We're recording this on a Thursday. You published a good piece of the Daily News, which if people haven't read it here, check it out. I think I retweeted it. If I didn't, I'll go back and do it. I thought you did a nice job of juggling the multiple truths that people struggle to grasp is that Kyrie Irving can still have done great things for the community. He can have been right about what he said about certain things with the media in the past, and he could be absolutely fucking over the Brooklyn Nets right now. Um, Those those things can all be true at once. And so what 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 is your expectation of this situation. And I think the main question for me is if Kyrie Irving remains steadfast in his stance to not want to get vaccinated, do you see the Brooklyn nets accommodating that? Or is this a situation that is going to deteriorate even further beyond those New York city limitations that have been put in place? I feel like at this point, man, the only expectation I have is myself and the concussion protocol every week. Man. It's just, <laughs> it's a different headache every day, bro. It's ridiculous. But I mean, you, you got to look at it from all angles, right? On one end, you know, yes, Kyrie is, I mean, I don't know about you. To me, he's one of the most electrifying basketball players I've ever been able to watch. You know what I'm saying? Just what he's able to do with the ball, how he's he able, to had a career shots, able to make a last season. Listen, yeah. And he didn't even play that many games. Right. But he still he still was was he was remarkable, you know. So so there's that one part of everybody that understands, hey, this team is a different level when you have a healthy Kyrie Irving out there on the floor. Right. But now it's not even about health. It, it's about a guy just like being on. Well, I guess it, it is tangential to health. Right. It's not an injury. It's it's a it's a decision not to get a life saving vaccine. Right. And it, it's just it, it it's mind boggling to the point where sometimes I struggle to find the words because. I do in one in one hand, I understand, you know, some guys want to, you know what I'm saying, 
forego the vaccine. They don't understand. They don't know what the far reaching implications of it are. You know, whatever people's reasons are, you know, I tip my hat to, to Andrew Wiggins. I tip my hat to Bradley Beal. I tip my hat even to Jonathan Isaac, because at least they sat there and answered the questions. Right. Their logic may be flawed on on a number of, of, of points. And that's that's one thing we could discuss that. But actually standing there and, and saying, hey, I'm not taking the vaccine for these reasons. I can kind of respect that. For Kyrie to come out and say, hey, respect my privacy. I've got a plan, you know, and then there's been no movement so far, at least not right now. He could come out tomorrow, you know what I'm saying, and, and have some type of plan that that I've successful. been vaccinated all along or something. Right. It, it could be, it could, <laughs> it, this could all be a hoax, right? This could all be just like a, a social experiment. I don't think that's the case, you know. And, and for him to also just pull the respect my privacy card on top of that, it's just it's just a lot because now instead of asking Kyrie the questions, we're asking his teammates the questions, right? Kevin Durant said at practice today, "Hey, you know, I'm envisioning Kyrie as part of this team, but maybe that's just me being naive." If you've got Kevin Durant saying maybe that's me being naive, then you've got you're starting to have a problem in Brooklyn. And this is this is the Kyrie Irving formula. It happens every year. Remember last year. He basically told media he didn't want to talk to us. He said, hey, I'm going to give you a letter. He wrote us a letter saying he was going to let his play do the, do the talking for him. And in his defense, it did, right? Best season I've seen him play. And then obviously in the middle of the season, he takes two weeks off because of what happened at the nation's capital, right? And, and I get that. That was heavy for everybody. But it's just becoming something every single season. And it's just like at some point, the Nets have to say, okay, what, what is the line? What are we going to put up with? And I think that line falls at part-time. Right. You're not a part time thirty five million dollar player. Right. That's not what we're going to do. And on top of that, you're a hometown hero. And now your hometown fans can't watch you play. Right. That that is really where it starts to get get tricky. So I, I can't see it getting past part time player. I think that it, the longer this thing drags out, the more likely we are to see a Kyrie Irving tree. I go back and forth on whether it's a good thing that he hasn't um, expanded upon his stance publicly or not, because I agree with you that. It, <laughs> look, I Everyone who listens to this podcast knows how I feel on this subject to me. And I, it's not to me. Issues of public health and safety are not personal matters. However, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal, like you mentioned, they answered questions about it. They didn't defer. And while I, I'm not very, I don't know that I'm interested in hear, hearing Kyrie Irving's logic because I don't think it's going to be one that convinces me this is fine. Sure. Um, the fact that now the questions are falling to his teammates and that they're hearing it. And we saw this, you know, you mentioned last season, if he needed to take the, the few weeks off because of what happened after the people storming the nation's capital. I get it. But like, there was a, a lack of informational flow because his teammates sure. and the organization still had the answer for his absence then too. And I'm just, you know, you mentioned this in your article and I didn't even think about the timing where it was reported. I think it was Stephen a that said, yeah. And Nick, Wright, and Nick, Wright yeah. would retire if he was traded to um, if he was traded from Brooklyn, everyone wrote it off as just a joke. But now the timing behind this is like, okay, well, that leak seems like it might have been super strategic at this point. I don't know what to expect from this, but it sounds like for me that you don't think if the status quo doesn't change, that the Nets aren't going to be like, hey, we're fine with Kyrie playing in 35 games or whatever it is at this point. No, and, and you know, I think my my big guess is that I think Kyrie was trying to work the religious exemption angle, right? Because that that angle to me makes the most sense for him. Um, and, and I thought to myself, you know, Andrew Wiggins obviously got rejected, but it, everything that we've seen from the NBA is that it's a city by city. You know, the league is deferring to the cities and to the states on this. Like, hey, if we, if we need our players to be vaccinated, you tell us. Here in New York, there is no religious exemption mandate. There's, right. there's no religious exemption, right? If you, you can't opt out of the vaccine for religious causes in New York City, you, you have to get it no matter what, if, if you're falling under um, that, that mandate. So there's no religious exemption for Kyrie. There's no... You know what I'm saying? In my, at least in my estimation, there's no part-time player. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's going to fly, you know, and he's running out of options. That's exactly what Andrew Wiggins said. He said, hey, time was running out for him for me, so I had to do something even if I didn't want to do it. Kyrie doesn't strike me as the type of person who's going to do something that he doesn't want to do. Um, and I guess we're going to see w whether I'm right or wrong because they, he's already been ruled out for Friday's game or whatever, whatever. Well, this goes live when tomorrow, Friday's game. I'll just say Friday's game. Um, and I don't know. I feel like that's just going to be the beginning of a lot of missed games for him. It's, it's, it's sad. You know, guys want to see him play. He is he's like easily one of the most spectacular players out there. All of his teammates want him to be out there. We, all the fans want him to be out there. Even Probably even the opponents want him to be out there, too. So it, it's, it's tough. But at the same time, there's got to be a line that people draw. And I think this is that line right here. And there are implications to this because I do think that the Nets at full strength are the closest the NBA comes to a championship formality. 
right sure. now. Where if sure. you just told me all three of those guys are available, I don't know who I'm picking to beat them four times in seven tries. This isn't sure. last season where you know they're all injured or or something along those lines. Now Kevin Durant and James Harden have had a training camp together, and so like there are real implications here. Um, I think the first one is, and maybe it's not. It's really not this going from this what we just talked about to this question is just so stupid. But like, who takes Kyrie Irving's place in the starting lineup if he's just not with this team? That is tough, man. I, it, it probably the Nets probably then will either have to. That's tough because you probably move Joe Harris down to the two because right now he's your three. Because in my mind, the lineup would be James Harden the one, Kyrie at the two, Joe Harris, then KD, then whoever your five is, whether that's Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge or Paul Millsap, whichever way you want to go. Um, but if you remove Kyrie from that lineup, now you're either starting Patty Mills, which I don't think makes sense. You have to bring him off the bench. So what makes more sense is moving Joe Harris down to the two, probably moving KD down to the three or starting Bruce Brown at that three and then putting KD at the four or you go big and you have LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin starting at the five and the four. And then you got KD at the three, Joe Harris at the two and James Harden at the one. It's tough. You know, it, it takes you from definite championship contender to, okay, now the Lakers have more superstars than you do. And on top of that, you're not a lock to beat the Bucks anymore. Right. Because if you're, if you're going a seven game series against the defending champions, you don't have Kyrie. Look at how important Kyrie was last time. Kyrie got hurt in that series basically shifted the Bucks way right after that. Um, I don't know that I would bet against the Bucks in the same series if Kyrie is out. You know, actually, I might bet with them because they, they've seen this before, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just tough. Um, I, I it, it, man, that that it just it's so crazy how fast we go from okay, this team is completely unbeatable to hold on now. Now, if you've got some other pieces, now you look at a team like the Bulls. If the Bulls catch their stride and you've got DeRozan, you've got Levine, you've got Ball, and you've got Vucevic, who's been killing the Nets since he was in Orlando, that's a tough team they're gonna have to deal with. Look at the Heat. You know what I'm saying? The Heat are gonna be a tough team to deal with. Even Atlanta. the Sixers. Atlanta's gonna be a tough team to deal with. That third star makes a lot of the difference. And if you don't got them, good luck. Is there like a sense is I know the organization has to be frustrated with the situation, but do you get the sense that like his teammates and specifically you mentioned Kevin Durant making the naive comment, but like a hardener or Durant, are they getting to the point where this, this has to be frustrating to them, correct? You know, they're going to play it off <laughs> as if it's not frustrating to them. And that's kind of what, what it's been the entire time, you know, day one media day, Kyrie is not there. All of us, we're asking literally every other player, hey, are you guys concerned at all that Kyrie is not vaccinated and that his availability might be impacted? And everybody's saying the same thing. No, of course not. We're not concerned. He's going to come around. Of course they're concerned because now here we are, the preseason home opener, and Kyrie's not going to be there. And we're only a couple, we're a week and some change away from the actual home opener, and it's not looking like Kyrie's going to be there either. And now, you know, you're going to have more questions for other guys who now are going to be forced to talk about things they don't want to talk about being Kyrie. And, and it just get, it gets crazy. I mean, one thing that it does do is it elevates Cam Thomas's role, right? If you don't have Kyrie, you need that extra scoring punch. You've got somebody, but that's not ideal, right? This is a rookie. Yes, he can score, but that's not who you want to bump up in the lineup. So it's tough. Um, I don't think the players are necessarily being as honest about how they feel about Kyrie's stats because you don't want to come out and, and start talking crazy about your teammate, let alone a teammate that's of that stature. But at the same time, it's just like, it's gotta be frustrating now. Everybody's, nobody wants to answer questions about Kyrie, right? Nobody does. Kyrie doesn't even want to answer questions about Kyrie. Then now he his hasn't. teammates have to. <laughs> exactly. So it's, 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 a, it's a circus at this point, man. Uh, the final question on him that I actually did not anticipate asking until you mentioned something. Do you think that there's an actual percentage chance, however slim that, you know, this isn't Andrew Wiggins. Like there would be sure. a team, uh, even with the threat of Kyrie retiring, I believe, which I don't know how sure. many people believe that's true. They would trade for him. Is what would be the percentage chance that things actually get that nuclear? Um, non-zero, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> there's, there's definitely a non-zero chance that things get that. But you, you, there's things you have to consider. Number one, this is the second to last year of his contract. I believe he has a player option next year that he can opt out of if he right. wants to. So a team that's trading for him is, is essentially renting him, and I point. doubt that. Yeah, I doubt that a team that is able to actually give what the Nets would want for him would do that without any assurances of him committing long-term. Um, and then on top of that, you've just seen how, how fickle he can be. He told Cle he told Boston that he wanted to stay if they would have him. And then he left and came to us, right? What's the, what's the difference? What, what, what makes you think he's not going to do that again and again and again? So, um, you know, I, I, I do think there's still value for him, especially in a market. And, and, and this is another thing to consider, right? LA just tightened their COVID vaccination mandate, right? So now 
everybody there has to be vaccinated. You can't have players that are unvaccinated. Before it was just San Francisco, now it's LA. So both the Clippers, and they don't have a problem because the Clippers and the Lakers are 100% vaccinated. But there are, the cities are running out for Kyrie to go play, right? Like he could go to Philly, you could trade him for Ben Simmons tomorrow. And then Philly says, hey, okay, well, everybody on the team has to be vaccinated. Otherwise you can't play. And now the Sixers are in the same scenario that the Nets are in. So it, it's tough right now. And then on top of that, there's the threat of him retiring, which he put out strategically uh, and then said you had nothing to do. It, it, it's it, it's actually, man, I need to check into a shrink, man. It, it just gets, <laughs> it, it's it's too much sometimes. <laughs> I wish you as much sanity as possible while covering <laughs> this, this particular topic, but the team in general for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, I do have some actual basketball questions for you. Sure, there there. we go. Now now my mind is clear. I can can talk basketball. What? So we, I thought that four starting spots were locked up. But the assumption is that it's still, if Kyrie's healthy, it's still four. And if it's not him, you already mentioned some alternatives. What's, what do you think is happening with, who would you view as the the player who starts the most games at center for this team this year? Uh, Blake Griffin. Um, That would be my guess. I I still think that he was this, this team's best option at the five last year. Um, and yes, their options have improved. You add uh, LaMarcus back, you bring in Paul Millsap. Uh, you've even got a guy like Claxton, who Steve Nash said is going to play a prominent role, even if the numbers of minutes don't add up. Um, Blake Griffin is what this team understands uh, as their small, versatile, uh, bruiser type of guy on that roster. Um, I, I like LaMarcus and what he brings, but in terms of defensive ver- defensive versatility, not a guy that can switch on screens, which is what they want to do basically every possession um, Paul Millsap is a guy who can switch on screens, but what is he approaching 37 years old now or something like that? Um, Blake Griffin is the guy I think is going to be the the starter at the center. And then on top of that, I mean, give credit to Sean Marks. He, he created a team where they can play small and big, right? They can they can have Blake Griffin at the five or they can play him at the four with, with LaMarcus at the five. They can play LaMarcus at the five with Paul Millsap at the four. They can play Nick Claxton at the five with Kevin Durant at the four if they want to. You know, there, there's so many different iterations of this team uh, particularly in the front court that I think are really interesting. But I do think we see Blake Griffin as your uh, your opening day starting center, I think, who plays the most minutes uh, at that five spot. In the preseason, they've dabbled with a LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap front court with the second yeah. unit. Is that mm-hmm. something you see becoming a, a staple for this team? Um, I, I guess we'll see. You know, I asked Steve Nash that exact question. What did he think of that lineup? And he said, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of experimenting right now. We want to see everything that we have. Um, I would like it, especially if you're if you're dealing with a team like the Lakers. If the Lakers are playing uh, Anthony Davis at the four and DeAndre Jordan, of all people, at the five, then you've got to match that size somehow. Right. And that gives them that ability. And Paul Millsap, I loved what he what, what I saw from him in, in, in the last game. You know, he's able to to do so many things, especially particularly crashing the offensive glass. He tried to go for a couple putback dunks that I didn't think he had in him, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and that's kind of an area where the Nets struggled a lot on that offensive glass. They got killed by mm-hmm. teams like Milwaukee, by teams like uh, who killed them on the glass. Uh, Andre Drummond came to Barclays and, and dogged them on the glass. Jared Allen, after he got traded to the Cavs, came or well, the Nets went to Cleveland. He killed them on the glass. They, they routinely get dominated on the inside. And I think that lineup right there of LaMarcus and, and Paul Millsap will help them shore up that rebounding. So I think that's something we'll definitely see uh, in the regular season for sure. I know that his youth or inexperience kind of came to head later on in the season last year. I still view Nick Claxton as this team's best center. What does, sure. what do all these veterans being there, Millsap, Aldridge, Blake Griffin mean for, for his role? Like what type of crack is he going to get at, at being able to, to have a regular rotation role this year? That's going to be tough. You know, if, if there's anything I've learned about this team uh, since covering them in the superstar era is that it's it's politics as usual. Remember, DeAndre Jordan was not your starting caliber center, but politics got Jared Allen benched when that guy, when DeAndre really, I mean, we, we see it, we saw it all of the season, the season four, he's not the same player he used to be, you know, and I think as talented as Nick Claxton is, he's going to have to to pay some dues. And those dues are going to come in coming off the bench behind a guy like Blake, behind a guy like LaMarcus who can score at will still, behind a guy like Millsap who still, you know, it's all about IQ as well. And on top of that, Nick's conditioning isn't as high as we would need it to be. I think we saw in some preseason games, he, 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 catch, he has to catch his wind a lot just by, you know what I'm saying, three or four minutes up and down the floor. He's, he's huffing and puffing for air, you know? So I think he's got a, a ways to go in conditioning. Um, but to your point, I mean, tremendous athlete, uh, easily. I've seen him lock up some shooting guards on switches and point guards, you know, shut them down on the on the perimeter. I think that's a great look for them. But I do think he has to put on some more size and strength. He's, he can get bullied down low at times. So I think that's where he has to make up some ground as well. 
I still think about sometimes there was a string of crunch time possessions where he just he forced the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands. And sure. I don't have the matchup data in front of me, but he was statistically one of the most switchable players, yeah. guarded point guards the most among players 6'10 or taller, like over the past five years. Um, that was per B-ball index. Like there, I think Ben Simmons was the only player his size were larger who spent more time guarding point guards on a percentage of defensive possessions. Is it like, you know, he had this was going back now, but he, was there any injuries that he was dealing with? Could his conditioning just still be off from, I believe he had COVID last year. He had, he's, 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 he's been through it. He had COVID. He had a shoulder, I believe. And he had a knee, he had knee tendonitis. Um, I believe he had, yeah, yeah, I believe he had a shoulder his rookie year and then he caught COVID right after that. So he's still catching up. Yes. Um, and, and to your point on the switching, I mean, he talks shit about that too. Like he he's, he's over there challenging opposing guards he's saying hey man if you think you can try to take me try and take me and i'm going to shut it down he he welcomes those challenges so i think that's something that the nets need um i think he's going to learn a lot from a guy like paul Millsap. that's kind of what paul Millsap has been able to do his entire career just be that versatile guy um so i'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do but in the back of my mind there's only 48 minutes that could be played at the center position. And Nick is not a four, you know, I don't think he's right. got that three point stroke down or, or just the, the other skills needed in terms of playmaking to be that four. Um, so if, if you've got guys like LaMarcus, you've got a Blake, if you've got a Millsap, who you're probably anticipating plays in that hybrid four or five role, you know, just how many minutes can Nick get at that center position? I'm not sure, but to your point, I, I think he is going to be this best team's option, just like Jared Allen was the team's best team's option last year. And they didn't go to him. <laughs> and the other the other name that I didn't mention as we talk about there's only 45 minutes to go around is there were just the lineups where it was Bruce Brown as their de facto big with yeah. with KD and so is that still going to be an ingredient to this team's makeup yeah for sure uh I think you know what's funny is we're seeing you know rarely do we see the the off-season hype video of someone shooting threes and then it actually translate into the floor like we could we'll see we've seen videos of Dwight Howard and Andre Drummond getting up threes in the offseason and they they attempt one or two of them in the regular season. And it's like, okay, why are you shooting? But Bruce Brown was knocking down some threes in the preseason game. Top of the key threes, too. We're not talking about corner threes. We're talking about one. Oh, it was above the break up. threes? Wow. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And if he's hitting those, then that that changes the, the complexity because he's a guy who's screen and roll. Now if he fakes that roll and pops out and can hit a three, now he's changing the whole game. So that's definitely someone that I, I still think will, will play a, a integral part in the offense because he's a guy who can catch that ball off the roll, off the short roll, and then make a play. He can hit that guy in the corner or he can throw the lob up top. He's kind of like a baby Draymond in that type of way. Uh, and I know that sounds like a crazy comparison to make, but that's kind of the role that he was playing last year. Um, so I think there's still going to be room for that for sure. And I, I think, especially with Kyrie out, that's somebody else you're gonna have to put in at those at to fill in those minutes because man, it's tough. They're also they have Kevin Durant and Joe Harris. So this is a weird thing to sure. say, but like they don't have a bunch of wings. Uh, exactly. So yeah. What what happens there? Is Bruce Brown now just sort of expected to be a wing more this season? Do they actually rely on DeAndre Bembry a little bit? Like, how does that, you know, it's it's just the secondary rotation because you have Joe Harris, you have KD, and then whatever you want to consider James Harden, point guard wing, he's he could play one through four basically when you're so like how does that sort of shake out the the I guess the the secondary two three rotation because we can yeah. kind of see the outlines of how four or five is going to work. Yeah, it's that's I think that's one of the areas where Sean Marks is going to have to do something this season. He's hinted towards the roster not being done. He's hinted towards the trade deadline and the buyout market. I think he's going to look and see who becomes a free agent at that buyout market. You know, J.J. Reddick said he's retired earlier this season. I think that's a guy that comes out of retirement. Maybe the Nets try to pick him up before they make a championship run. Um, that's what they need. They need somebody who can really come in off the bench, uh, play, play some defense, hit some threes, run up and down. Um, and, and that's an area, you know, they did a great job filling out the front court. You bring in a guy like Patty Mills, and that's just instant depth at that point guard spot. Cam Thomas is going to play a role. Um, but when you look at that three and D player that you need, you know, DeAndre Bembry isn't really the three, right? He doesn't, he doesn't really hit threes for you. James Johnson doesn't really hit threes for you, too. You drafted a guy in Kessler Edwards who maybe could hit some threes. and He can definitely play defense, but his three-point shot isn't there yet. So I think that's like, you know, priority number one for this team right now is after Joe Harris, you, you don't really have very many wings uh, who are just like spot up shooters and defenders. And uh, if Joe Harris isn't hitting shots in the playoffs like he didn't last year, then you've really got a problem because after him, you don't have anybody else that can space that floor. 
Yeah, look, if you're gonna sign JJ Redick with the hope of him playing defense, you have issues. I do. Sorry. I'm just, <laughs> you have James Ennis and Wesley Matthews both both remained unsigned, and Wes was bad last year, but James Ennis was good. And this just yeah, they would fit a lot of places. But when you look at the Nets depth chart, it's like why isn't James Ennis on this team to me right now or someone like they just need that type of the idea of that player on the roster. Yeah, you you know, I, I think they said that, and by they I mean management said that you know paying the luxury tax wouldn't be that big of, a, of an issue. But I think in that that's one thing to say. And then to actually do it is another, because when you look at the cost cutting measures that they took, like they, they traded away Deandre Jordan and didn't bring back anybody else. They had an opportunity to go get to, to trade Spencer Dinwiddie and get a guy like KCP or right. get a guy like Kentavia, like, like, like Kyle Kuzma, or even get a guy like Montrez Harrell. And they didn't get anything from that. Right. They, they could have addressed one of those needs right there. They chose not to because, hey, why not just sign and trade Spencer and not bring any caps, not bring any payroll hit so that we don't have to pay that luxury tax. Then you see it again. They trade away DeAndre Jordan, the re- the 20 years left on his contract. They bring back Sekou Dumbuya. They trade away Sekou Dumbuya. Don't get anything back for him. Why? Because they don't want the cap hit. The Rockets waived him, not them. So they they, they wanted to say, hey, we don't really care. We, we'll, we'll spend in the luxury tax. But it's no, we'll spend in the luxury tax up until a certain point. I think they've hit that point. You know, and I think their, their unwillingness to spend uh, a little bit further. If a guy like James Ennis is out there right now, why don't you just go get him, right? That's a perfect fit. They didn't do that. Maybe that maybe they maybe they spend the block later in the in in the year. Who knows? But right now, I'm starting to think that maybe they're they're pinching pennies a little bit more than they should be. Which is crazy because the team is owned by one of the richest people in the world. Like, let that check fly, bro. Yeah, and I'll I'll never cape for the suits. Uh, maybe they're just thinking that they still have to pay luxury tax on a player's salary who might not be with the team since they're not giving teams luxury tax relief <laughs> for players who miss games with um, right. due to the COVID reasons. So they are they might save some of his salary. They're just not going to save the luxury tax they need to pay on top of it. Right. <laughs> the, so that is funny. We've now mentioned Cam Thomas a couple of times who, for some reason I kept wanting to call Cameron Stewart. I've referred to him on radios (laughs) and podcasts. I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Oh, Where does the Stewart come from? I have Christian. I have no fucking idea. That's the problem. (laughs) Like, I I don't know what the word slip is is about. I did fall in love with him a little bit leading up to the draft and then fell in love with him even more during summer league. Sure. Is there a chance that he works his way into regular minutes with this team? And I'm sure it's easier with Kyrie out, but even the idea of playing a rookie, whose first instinct is to score on a team that has Kevin Durant, James Harden, and is going to have title aspirations no matter what. There's, I don't want to say it's iffy. It's not something you see happen a lot, though. Sure. You know, and obviously with Kyrie out, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, yeah, Cam Thomas can fit that role, can fit a role here, can fit a role there. But if we're talking about the Nets being at full strength, you know, it's tough to see him breaking into a rotation where, either Kyrie Irving or Kev or James Harden is going to be at the one for, for most of those minutes. And in the minutes that they're not at the one, you got Patty Mills, right? And the minutes that Patty Mills is at the one, you've probably got one of James or Kyrie or Joe or Bruce at the two, right? So, so there's a lot of minutes there between the guys that they have already, you know, written into the rotation that were there last year or Patty Mills coming in. But I mean, it's hard to to write a guy off when he's if he's going to just keep hitting the shots that he's been able to hit. I mean, I watched that guy hit a one legged running three point shot for the win in sudden death. Right. right. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And if that's the type of player that they've got just sitting in the rotation, hell yeah, why not throw him in? And it's a lot easier to do that now if Kyrie's not going to play. But if he is going to play and maybe Kyrie is cold and maybe he's two for 18 or two for, for 12 or two for 13, whatever the night is. And Steve is like, hey, we're just going to give you a break. Yeah, there's going to start being we want Cam Thomas chance. The, the Barclays Center is going to start asking for Cam. Those Thomas. are happening no matter what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I think at some point, you know, Steve Nash is going to oblige. But in, in a in a in a loaded team, like if we're in the playoffs, for example, and, and if Cam Thomas hasn't played a lot in the regular season, I don't see him getting his his breakout game in the playoffs unless somebody gets hurt right it's one of those situations if the if a spot opens up for him to slide in then yes but if we're talking about a full loaded team it's tough for me to see him like actually sneaking his way into the rotation at all last year they seemed to have a clear way of staggering their three stars or at least james harden was being pulled and then getting reps with the um second unit heavier lineups how does that change if at all with Kyrie not there 
whoo, that puts a lot more burden on James Harden, right? Because that's your guy that you want to to orchestrate the offense. And sometimes, you know, they'd have Kyrie at the one and, and rest James Harden and then bring James Harden back in either at the end of the first or the beginning of the second, you know, and, and that's probably what's going to happen. And and I think Patty Mills solved some of those issues, right? Because you can put James Harden on the bench, bring Patty Mills in and play him with the Kevin Durant. You can right. play Patty Mills with four other guys on that team. And Patty's a guy who could generate offense on his own, right? You can run a lineup out there of, I'll just throw names out there. You can run Patty, LaMarcus, um, Blake, Joe, and Bruce. And I think that would be a at least neutral lineup, right? I don't think they'd be negative. I think they'd find a way to stay afloat until you brought one of the two stars back in. But it's just crazy how much changes when you take one guy out of the lineup, right? And once Kyrie comes out, it's like, okay, now we've got to kind of figure out what the hell we are right now and how we're going to do this, right? Because I think that that changes everybody's role a little bit, right? Because you've got Kyrie who, I mean, I, and I've said this before, yes, Kevin Durant is the best player on the team in the world. James Harden is the team's point guard, right? Best passer. But Kyrie is the head of that snake. He's the guy who's on attack mode all the time. Like if the, the Nets will look to him. If they're not drawing up a play for Joe on, on possession number one, they're probably getting the ball to Kyrie and everybody else is getting out of the way because he's going to make a, he's going to get a, a shot off. If you don't have him, and now that either becomes we're getting the ball to KD early or we're going to run that offense through James early. And I think, honestly, having Kyrie on the floor out there takes a lot of the pressure off of James to score. We saw that all last season. He was just able to focus on setting guys up all the time, and he would pick his shots whenever he wanted to. Now it's not that easy. Now we're looking more like that second-round series against the Bucs where the Bucs were able to – the Bucs basically double-teamed James Harden the full length of the floor, even though he's playing on one hamstring, which, mm-hmm. which threw him off. And then they're sending a double at, at Kevin Durant every time he touches the ball. And he and I don't know how he's still able to make these shots. But now you've got the rest of the guys on the floor scrambling, trying to figure out where they fit in. Any competent defense is going to be able to slow them down. The three-headed monster is what really throws teams off, right? Because every every team, well, most teams have two guys that you got a game plan for, right? Two guys that you can say, okay, well, he's going to hit a shot, and that's tough. If you got three, that that's where it, it gets tricky. And, and, you know, I asked this question to Steve Clifford. I was like, hey, how do you – how do you stop these guys? And he goes, hey, it's not even about stopping those guys because once those guys get going, everybody else around them starts getting it going too. And then it becomes impossible to stop the other guys. Well, once Kyrie is out there, they become a little bit more predictable, you know? And, and, and that's where I think they're going to struggle is that what are you going to do now? Well, now we kind of have an idea. The thing that I feel like is not being talked about enough either is Patty Mills wasn't great to close the year last season. He's a little bit older. And so if he's not able to just generate his own offense or shots at the same level he was, you know, even at the beginning of last year, whatever it may be. Now, who who do you rely on more? Like, do we get to a point where they might need to run things like through the Marcus or Blake Griffin just to sort sure. of, you know, figure out like just have a, a pecking order beyond James Harden and KD. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, even though he wasn't, that great in the regular season he was spectacular in the olympics uh and, and i do That's give true. him that he he, he he definitely had a great olympic showcase and australia won bronze i think that's the first time in their in their, their country's history of winning a, a bronze medal in men's basketball so you know i i don't think i'm worried about patty you know i think playing with guys like james and kd are going to make his life a whole lot easier uh and then on top of that it, it's a perfect role he's the sixth man he, he wants to to command that second unit and get guys set up. And, and then, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm necessarily worried about him, but to your point, you know, I think that pecking order somehow goes, you know, it goes KD, then James. Um, and then probably you're still looking at Joe Harris as the best three point shooter in the league, you know, forget right. about the playoff series. If you can forget about the playoff series, cause it was horrendous, you know, league leading three point shooter, I believe two years in a row in terms of efficiency. The man is a bucket, and I think they continue to draw plays up for him. And then on top of that, you've got LaMarcus, who can get a mid-range jump shot over anybody. Uh, Blake can still create offense. Cam Thomas can create offense, as we saw Patty Mills. So they have a whole lot of options outside of that Harden and, and, and Durant combo. Um, and we're talking combo now because trio is, is questionable at this point. We don't know if there's going to be a trio, which is crazy. Um, but I, I do think they – I still don't think offense is going to be their issue um, and, and surprisingly, I think they did Im- improve on defense too. So I think we're still going to see a good Nets team, a great Nets team, but it, it just boils down to you can be great, but then make it to the playoffs and you get a team that's a bad matchup for you, right? I think without Kyrie, the Bucks are going to be a bad matchup. The Bulls, if they don't self-destruct, they're going to be a bad matchup. And then the, the Heat are also going to be a bad matchup for them as well. You might be the person who is highest on the Bulls that I've spoken to all offseason. Listen, I, I, there, so there's two ways I see this, t- this season going. They're either going to finish 10 and 72 and be absolutely <laughs> shit, or they're going to finish like 50 and 32 
and, and be just like the best Bulls team that we've seen since Derrick Rose, Rose era. I think that it's a great roster, right? I think that what we saw with, with Levine and Vooch last year was just that, you know, they threw that duo together at the end of the season, tried to figure it out, tried to make a playoff push. It didn't work. But now it just had COVID too. Or got injured. Yeah, out exactly. Too. Exactly. But if the roster just makes sense now, Lonzo can push that pace and he can defend the one very well. And on top of that, you got two guys who are high flyers that are going to be running in transition with him in, in DeRozan and Levine. And then you got a low post presence. And then I think they've got Pat Williams at the floor. I, I like their roster. It's just a matter of, can they just like get that dark cloud that's been hovering over Chicago school, Chicago basketball over them? Cause that's all that's left. If they can, if they can, you know what I'm saying? Get rid of that. I, I think they will be okay this year. Does. And everything's loaded and seems more likely with Kyrie out. I've thought, I've wondered if, Javon Carter now is the opportunity to play a larger role because sure, yeah. I feel like we're over, I'm overthinking. I'm asking all these offensive questions. They will by and large be fine, but I think the the goal should be when you're going from Kyrie to whatever you have is let's at least streamline life for Katie and Harden as much as possible. And if you're going to start Blake with them, let's preserve all the shot creation that's left on the bench as much as possible to rework some of the lineups. And so you leave Patty Mills with the second unit, Cameron Stewart on the bench. You have LaMarcus Aldridge there. Cam Thomas. Can't, can't. <laughs> you say Cam Stewart again. <laughs> I told you, I'm not lying. Oh man, that's funny. Um, but like, could Javon Carter be like make sense to start next to a James Harden just as someone who will defend his butt off and yeah. doesn't have the ball in his hands? A hundred percent. And one thing that I didn't know about Javon Carter is he'll, he'll get those shots off too, especially in preseason. He was being pretty aggressive. I didn't know that was his game. Uh, but he's they a guy falling who can... so much last year. But he, they yeah. would get them off. <laughs> yeah, he was. He'll shoot him, you know. And that's kind of what you need a guy that's going to defend, but also not you know, be a liability on offense, right? It's not like it's, it's, I hate to bring up Ben Simmons right now, but if you have Ben Simmons on offense versus Javon Carter, both are great defenders, but offensively, if you need somebody to, to be that secondary, not necessarily playmaker, but if you, if you've got James Harden coming off the screen and you've got Javon Carter in the corner, or you've got Ben Simmons in the corner, you want Javon Carter hitting that shot. And I'm in no way or form saying that Javon Carter is a better basketball player than Ben Simmons, right? Now, I don't want you to clip that part and, and social that. And be like, this man is crazy. Yeah, be right right there. <laughs> They'd be start attacking to be there. But no, I, I do like Javon Carter's fit. And I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. You know, that does kind of make sense because you've already got offense out there with a guy like James, with Joe, with, with KD, with LaMarcus out there, right? If, if you can have someone that can shut down the opposing team's one and not have Harden guard that guy, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Or you put Bruce out there, right? And if Bruce is hitting yeah. the three the way he was, the way he's been hitting in preseason, at least, then that 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 works too. With Harden and KD, KD plays in fewer than half the team's games last year. Yeah. Harden has the hamstring injury popping up, and I know he's mostly been an Iron Man, but that almost worries me because of yeah. how high his usage has been since he left OKC. Yeah, even does does not having Kyrie. It's a lot easier to do this if you have Kyrie. Like, are they gonna do anything to monitor what these, how much these guys are shouldering in terms of appearances during the regular season? Or now without Kyrie, are we just, you know, all hands on deck here because there are it's a lot harder to win games with one star as opposed to two or three. Yeah, you. I, I think it would be a little bit of both. Number one, I think even still without Kyrie, you've got a team that's capable of blowing guys out, right? right. Like you've got their 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 most explosive offensive lineup in my book is Patty, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and pick your, your choice at the five, either Lamarcus or Blake. Um, and I think it's just going to be tough to slow down that lineup ever, right? If you put in Kyrie, it's overkill. If you don't, then it's like okay, well that's still a tough lineup to stop. But at the same time. Last year, injuries destroyed this Nets team, and not just in the playoffs. We're talking all season, you yep. know. So I think they learned their lesson. Um, I think they're gonna gonna load manage the guys. You're gonna see guys not play in the second game of back to back. So you're gonna see them strategically sit because of maybe longer road trips or longer stints. With you know, they might have a, a four games and five nights coming up, so they might rest guys in two of those games. Um, that's the type of team this is. You know, they, they're definitely going to rest their guys, and they've got a, a lot of older guys on the roster, but. They've got some young guys that that can play, right? I think you can go a game. I think you can go a game against, say, the Sacramento Kings and and rest uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden and still say, hey, I like my chances because we've still got some guys out there that can play. So I think they I think they're built to last. Um, it just then boils down to when you get into that second half of the season and these games start to matter, you can't start punting games, but you also don't want to put your guys at risk. So I mean, it's going to be something we're monitoring for sure, but I, I do think they'll be okay. Then again, I could say that, and then James Harden tweaks his hamstring game one, and now we've got worst-case times, too. Look, if something like that happens and Kyrie is still not with the team, geez, um, man. RIP to your psyche. I don't want to have Yo. to be the one that's, 
uh, on the net speed at that point. This team was 21st in points allowed per possession last year on defense. Sure. You see them being better or worse than that this season when you look at the makeup of their roster right now? Um, I think worse. Um, I think losing Ime Udoka is a huge blow. I think the Celtics are going to be impressive on defense. I think the Nets are going to take a step down. And, and I think that even though on paper they got better, right? Like you added uh, James Johnson, you added uh, DeAndre Bembry, you added a Paul Millsap. Um, there's only but so many minutes to go around. Right. So you're going to have James Harden out there who, I mean, to his credit, he's, he's a better defender than I thought, but he's not a lockdown defender. You're going to have Joe Harris out there who knocked down shooter can be a turnstile defensively. Kevin Durant is, is great defensively, but you're going to be asking a lot from him on, on offense. Um, if you've got LaMarcus out there, he can protect the rim, but he's not a guy that's a versatile. He's not going to be able to switch, you know, and, and that's really your lineup. I mean, sure. You can have a guy like Bruce out there, but I just think it's going to be tough. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I guess I guess that's where I'm at right now. I, I don't know what we're getting from the Nets on a defensive standpoint. Um, I would expect there to be some drop off because I know how much Ime Udoka meant to that defense and what he was doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, guys might just be fed up of being called a bad defensive team. You know, and they might be like, hey, you know, let's actually do it this year. So never know. I, if I was a betting man, I, I'd bet them being somewhere near the same where they were. Uh, we've reached the quick hitter portion of the podcast before I get you okay. out of here. When okay, quick hitter? When you look at this roster and things can change so much during the season, but as of right now, who do you view as the player most likely to be traded before the deadline? Uh, are we talking about not Kyrie? It could be If you really think that that's most likely, um, that might that might get aggregated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough, man, because I'm looking at this roster and – what are you getting for other guys? You know, like, are you trading a guy like Claxton? Because I don't think you're trading him, number one, even if there's not enough minutes because you want to build a future with him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, maybe a guy like Dayron Sharp gets traded because there's not enough minutes for him and another team might actually be willing to pay the price of a, of, of a veteran wing, right? Whatever they can get a veteran wing in exchange for. And at this point, that's probably one of some of their prospects. So maybe a guy like Kessler Edwards and maybe a guy like Dayron Sharp get packaged if they can get that veteran wing to back up Joe Harris. Um, but those are all, you know, I, I don't think that those are more likely than a situation where Kyrie doesn't want to get the vaccine and the Nets don't want him to be a part-time player, you know, like, and from that point, there's, that's an impasse, right? There's no way that the Nets can come down from wanting him to get vaccinated. That's not possible. And there's no other way for him to get onto the court unless he plays for a team that doesn't have that vaccine mandate in that city. So um, it's tough. You know, I, I'm thinking about the rest of the roster. Um, They're not built for a trade. Like do you have their three nah. mega stars? Then there's Joe Harris who has like that mid end salary, but you shouldn't be moving Joe Harris, especially yeah. with the Kyrie stuff going on. And then you just have a bunch of all these smaller salaries. And so yeah. I just look at it as Javon Carter, because I'm not sure what type of role I actually have with the team. Maybe they want to cut their tax bill. Maybe they're able to get a cheaper wing, um, you know, Possibly. for him. Um, so I, but they don't look like they're built for a trade. And the answer might actually be Kyrie Irving at this point, which is just yeah. wild that we're here. It is. And, you know, if you would have asked me last season, I would have said Joe Harris just because of how poorly he performed in the playoffs. But we know that Joe Harris is not going to be judged on the regular season. Right. So if he gets traded, it'll be next offseason because he had a poor playoffs again. I don't see them trading him between now and the trade deadline unless he just comes out and shoots 32 percent from downtown between now and February, which I don't see happening. What is this? What should be this team's go to crunch time lineup? And if you want, you know, there's the. Kyrie should be in there, but I think we kind of have to, you know, there's to me, the crunch time lineup is like the starting lineup. It should have four locks with Kyrie, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Yeah. So I'm curious as to in closing situations, do you think the fifth should be Nicholas Claxton? Should it still be Blake at the five, maybe more Paul Millsap? That's an interesting question. Um, and part of me wants to kind of see how this team plays through like five or 10 games, just to get a sense of who's actually in that rotation and what different, you know what I'm saying, lineups look like. But just kind of going into a blind, I like what they ran last year. You know, I like Blake Griffin at the five, Kevin Durant at the four, Joe, and then and then Kyrie, and then and then James. You know, that was a lineup that could have won them a championship if they would have stayed healthy. They didn't, so here they are again. But I think that lineup or just replacing Blake with Nick is, is cool. You know what I'm saying? You could do that. But I like what Blake brings. He's tough. He's a guy that's going to dive on the floor for every single loose ball. And on top of that, he's still trying to dunk on people. And, and let them know that he can still dunk at that, you know? So right. it, it's hilarious. I, I think that's the lineup. And then if Kyrie's not 
there, man, that changes a whole lot. I think you, I think then you go Patty Mills uh, next to James Harden, next to Joe Harris, next to uh, KD, next to, next to Blake. That um, lineup or, is playing zero defense. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you, or you swap out Kyrie for Bruce Brown. I think that, that also makes sense, especially if Bruce Brown's hitting threes. That'll make sense. Cause then Bruce can guard the one. Your Steve Nash or Kevin Durant, who's ever calling the shots in game I'm for this crying. team. You can roll out any lineup you want, weird, offbeat, just to see what happens. What what five man combination are, are you going with? Oh, I'm going all offense. Um, we're going Cam Thomas. Um, we're going James Harden. We're going Kyrie. We're going KD. Um, I think we're going KD at the five, and we're going to put Joe Harris out there as well. We're we're completely spacing out the floor. Um, I don't think we see enough KD at the five. You know, I, I love that. I love what he's able to. He's just like. So versatile. He's going to space you out. He can post you up. He can dunk on you. He can do whatever. He'll defend and, too. I mentioned the yeah. previous lineup will play no defense, but him and Joe Harris will compete on the defensive end for sure. That, you, uh, maybe not so much Joe Harris. He'll try, but he'll still get burned. Um, he, he tries though. There's yeah, like actual he, he effort. He does try. There, there, is, there, there is effort there. And it he probably just, guards players that he shouldn't have to guard at this point. As that well. too. That <laughs> too. I think I think if Kyrie's out, then that, then that also goes out because Kyrie is hiding on defense a lot of the time. You you actually picked my five man unit, I believe. I had Kyrie, James Harden, Cam Thomas, not Stewart, Joe Harris, and, <laughs> and Kevin Durant. Without yep. Kyrie there, I'd keep those four same guys and then just throw in Javon Carter. Uh just I love he's like a bulldog. And yeah, I, you could go Patty Mills in that case to really go. I go yeah, I'd go Patty. I'd definitely go Patty. It's something about Patty that I just love. Uh, I can't wait to actually see him play in some some significant minutes. I think he's gonna be huge for this team this year. The I also thought of a like sort of a, a fuck you lineup where they go super big, where you have sure. Paul, Paul Millsap, James Johnson, um, and Blake Griffin with Kevin Durant and James Harden. That lineup is just super huge. And I know Millsap becomes your de facto three there, but you Jeez. have all these like four or five types run, run out a bunch of them at the same time. I, I need to see it. <laughs> I don't need to see that. I think I'm okay because then who's shooting threes? Well, I guess James Harden will shoot some threes, and I guess KD will shoot some threes, but then you got three non-shooters out there, and, and it gets tough. I still consider Millsap a non-shooter. I don't think he's going to be a volume guy. I don't know if he's going to have I mean, he could be a shooter this year. But when, when you're playing with KD and James Harden, everybody, everybody's open. John, Johnson, Griffin, and Millsap will all shoot threes, but you're right that I don't think any of them are high volume enough to be like, yeah. oh, this is, this is out. But look, yeah. they just have so many of those like Paul Millsap, James Johnson-type players on this roster right now. Yeah. Um, go five bigs. I don't four bigs with KD. I don't care. So, <laughs> have KD play the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so look, he might have to, when you look at the yeah. if Kyrie's not there, like who's the best passer is James Harden. Their second best passer is like, is Kevin it Durant average, KD, KD averaged 5.8 assists last year. Yeah. That's, so, that's pretty good to me. I've seen, I saw him make some crazy passes that had me question if I was evaluating KD as the right type of player, because I've looked at him as a scorer first his entire life. And then I'm seeing him hit some cross court passes, no look, understanding where his teammates are and throwing it to them ahead of time. I'm like, Whoa, this man's acting totally different, but no, nah, that's, that's who he is. He can, he can make plays too. I, I, I wasn't hit by him now. KD at the one it's, it's, yeah. very, it, it's coming. It's written. Oh, so I'm surprised this hasn't moved down. I'm surprised it's even available. But as we record this, their win total over under is set at 56.5. Sheesh. What are you, are you taking the over under for this team? And just knowing everything that's going on, are they still going to finish number one or number two in the Eastern conference? Oh man, that's so tough. If Kyrie comes back. Oh man. At this point, there's no real path for him to come back unless he goes, get it goes and gets the shot like tomorrow. Right. Because from my understanding, NBA players only need one shot mm -hmm. to be to be eligible, which is crazy because media and everybody else needs to be 14 days after their second shot before they can be around anybody, which is mind boggling. But either way, um, if Kyrie is healthy, yes, I think I take the over every time. If Kyrie is not healthy, um, I, I want to say they win at least 50 games. Right. Um, yeah, no, I probably take the under. No, that's no Kyrie, pretty far from 57. The, yeah, if there's no Kyrie, I probably take the under. And if I have to bet today, not knowing whether Kyrie's going to be there or not, um, sheesh, I probably take the under, I probably get them at 55. So I think, I think without Kyrie, they're still a title contender, but they're noticeably sure. weaker or sure. more vulnerable regular season team. 
Sure. Yeah, no, 100%. Because you can catch one of those. It's very rare where you where you would catch Kyrie and, K- and KD and James on an off night, right? If one of those guys are having a cold night, the other two are probably either okay or they're great, right? Now, if one of those guys is having a cold night and you don't have Kyrie, then you're putting a whole lot of pressure on one other guy and on the other role players who, I mean, they let you down in the playoffs, unfortunately. So can you really rely on them in high-pressure situations in the in the regular season? I don't think so, right? So being built on that star power, it, it, it made these guys bulletproof. And now with one of those stars down, it's like, hold on, wait, I, I think we kind of have an opening. I think every team has an opening now because the, the Nets' biggest flaw last year was that they didn't, they just didn't play hard enough the entire season. If they would have played hard enough the entire season, they might be champion champions right now because they could have finished as the one seed and then ducked Milwaukee in the, in the second round, they could have had a completely different outcome. So it's going to be tough, man. Uh, this is not how I envisioned this season going. I did not envision having this type of a headache. I didn't envision this type of drama, but here we are, man. And I got to cover it. Is there anything I did not ask you about this team or anyone I didn't ask you about that you think should be discussed? <sighs> anyone that you didn't ask me about that I think should be discussed. Um, I guess if you have like really strong Kessler Edwards or Dayron Sharp takes, how no, about Cam Dayron? We talked a lot about Cam we, Thomas. How about Cam? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still looking for that guy on the roster. He'll pop up there somewhere. You know, Dayron Sharp is a guy that I think has a chance in the league. You know, late late first round pick, but he's a guy that's going to be a, a high volume rebounder for a long time. Um, and he's trying to get that jump shot off too. So, so I look forward to being able to cover him. Uh, Blake Griffin was actually joking around a little bit. He said they were playing pickup uh, in practice, and and I, he said that he guess Dayron didn't realize that in in pickup you don't really crash the offensive glass as crazy as you're supposed to. So he caught a couple of elbows from him while he was like crashing from the three point line. It was crazy, but that's the type of player he is. He's going to try to crash the glass from wherever he is on the floor, and if you're in his way, uh, you're gonna pay. If he's getting minutes outside the G League for this team, something has gone terribly wrong. No, correct. Sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Because if Nick Claxton can't find minutes, how the hell did Dayron Sharp? Christian, are you able to tell our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and find all of your great work? Hell yeah! You can find me on Twitter at Chris Splash. That's K R I S P L A S H E D. You can also find me as a co-host of the Certified Buckets podcast on Uninterrupted. Shout outs to my co-hosts, uh, Lethal Shooter and Ashley Nicole Moss. Really dope. Um, and you can find my work in the New York Daily News. If you're in New York, go pick up a paper, uh, flip to the back page and look for a handsome man and you'll find some work by me. Otherwise, you just go, ahead, go to NewYorkDailyNews.com slash sports slash basketball slash nets. I think that's where it is. And that's basically my, my land right there. So check me out. Well, congrats again on the certified buckets gig with Uninterrupted. You deserve it. You do great thank work you, in the Daily you, News. Thank you. Happy we were able to do this. You are the most elusive man in sports, but you do not care. I will DM you <laughs> and text you to no end, and you never care. Please do. So I appreciate Please. that, and thank you so much for, for coming on. My God, thank you for having me, bro, anytime.